Thank you for joining us today at Our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in seven different locations. We hope that today's message encourages and empowers you on your spiritual journey and helps you grow deeper in your relationship with God. To learn more about Our Savior's Church and how you can get involved, you can visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. We're getting a brand new series called Relationship Goals, Not Your Average Relationship Series. And so I'm going to be teaching on that over the next probably this month through the month of February. And uh, uh, here's what I want you to know. So today I'm going to lay a foundation for the rest of the series. And I'm very excited about one of them. I'm going to do a, ser- I'm going to do a message on friends that you should not have. Coming near you. Okay, watch this. When it comes to relationships, interpersonal relationships with people, biblical principles, everybody say biblical principles, they apply whether it's marriage or outside. So even if I use marriage as the metaphor, how many of you know that same principle applies to a friend that you may have? It may to the employee-employer relationship, friend-to-friend, hunting buddy-to-hunting buddy, shopping girl-to-shopping girl. It, 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 it applies no matter, uh, child to parent, parent to child. And so even if you're in the room today and you go, oh, it's a marriage series, I'm single. No, 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 no. It applies. So it doesn't matter. By the way, can I just say this to you? Marriage is good. In the eyes of God, marriage is a very good thing. Can I say this to you? Singleness is good. They're both good. There's not one that's better, per se, than the other. They're just different. Good. It's good. If you're single, it's good. By the way, how many married people in the room, wave at me, if you're married. Okay, put your hands down because nobody cares anymore. Single, if you're single, keep your hand up. Check the room out right now. (laughs) It's a good place to find. If you want to be married, if you want to. Single is good. Married is good. Everybody with me? So, speaking of married, did y'all hear about the married couple had a quarrel? Any of you ever had a quarrel if you're married? How many of you have ever had a fight? Well, this couple had a fight, and they ended up giving each other the silent treatment. I don't know if you've ever used that technique. I don't suggest you do. That is where both partners just decide they're not going to talk And then you know what happens. Everybody goes to their corner, and then each other is waiting for the other one to finally say something, right? So this couple goes for two days, 48 hours. Nobody has said a word. In fact, on Monday morning, the the gentleman had a a very important meeting in Chicago, Illinois, had to get up at 5 a.m. to catch a flight, and and he was going to set his alarm, but this happens in my household. I'll set my alarm, but I'd say, Heidi, could you set yours too, just in case, especially if it's something really big like Sunday morning. Uh, We both set our alarm at the same time in case one of us needs to help the other. And uh, he he wanted to say that to her, but because they were fighting, he didn't want to break the silence. So he wrote her a note. Could you please make sure that I'm up at 5 a.m.? Next morning, he wakes up, looks at his clock. Wife's not in bed, looks at his clock. It's 8 a.m. Missed his business flight. He's fuming. And then she doesn't even, he's he's about ready to break his silence. And he looks next to his bed on the nightstand, and there's a note. 
that she had written. And it said, it's 5 a.m., wake up. <laughs> How many of you know, that ain't even a way to handle it, right? So I want to talk to you. Uh, let me give you some background scriptures just so you understand. I'm going to give you lay foundation today, and we'll build on it in the next few weeks, okay? Let me take you to the book of 1 John 4 and 8. Here's something you have to understand about God. Anyone who does not love does not know God. We could put a period just on the end there, couldn't we? Anyone who does not love does not know God. If you don't love, you don't know God. That's true. But there's a comma, and then it says, for, yellow, you read it with me, God is, God is love. It's very important that we understand that God is love. It's not God loves. It is that he is. He is love. That is his nature and his character. So you have to begin there to understand that God loves you, period. End of story. It doesn't matter. Some of you, I know we've just, we're into Mardi Gras. You might have done something that wasn't very lovable on Friday. He still loves you. You may have said, I don't do all that anymore, Pastor. You, I'm good. I come to church. He doesn't love you anymore. God just loves you. It's un, we use a word called unconditional love. He is love, which means everything that he does is out of that motivation for you. Whether he answers the prayer or he doesn't answer the prayer, he's doing it because he loves you and it's better for you that he didn't answer or it's better for you that he did answer. Whichever one... We just sang that song. The, one, the reason why this one song that we just sang is so dear to me. It was like, I sought the Lord, and he heard, and he answered. He just never answered on time. Can I get an amen? He never answered when I wanted him to answer. He answered when the right time was. Because he's motivated by what? Motivated by love. Only what's best for me is what he'll do. That's the God you serve. You ought to give God praise for that. God is love. He just loves you. Yeah, the closest thing we, we have to it is our own kids. If you're married here and you have children, it, 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 oh, by the way, if you're single or single again, because that happens too, doesn't it? Thank God for grace and mercy. We'll talk a little bit about it in the future, in, in a minute. Thank God for, if you've been married once, twice, thrice, four, five, six, and I got to keep, I got a number because sometimes, sometimes I stop short. It doesn't really, I don't care what marriage you're on, just make this the last one. Can I get an amen? Just, let's make this one the last one. God is motivated by one thing, children, I said children, you've got kids, you know they can add or subtract to the joy that you have or the peace that you have, but they can't add or subtract to the love that you have, even when they act stupid and a fool. How many of you got teenagers? How many of you have ever thought about murder? <laughs> no, you've thought about it. 
You still love them. And even when they're doing really good, they can bring you great joy. But it doesn't increase the love. That's what you have to understand about God. He just loves you. It's unconditional of whether you've done good today or bad today. He still loves you. Do you receive that this morning? Okay, now let me tell you something about love. Because love should be demonstrated and expressed. It's like that. Love is not love unless it's demonstrated or expressed. You can't be like the old Cajun man who married, got married to his wife 50 years ago, and she asked him, do you love me? On their 50th wedding anniversary. And he said, well, I told you the day I got married that I loved you, and if it ever changed, I'd let you know. <laughs> How many know you have to express love? Love's not re- love is a verb. It's an action. It's and it needs to be demonstrated. It needs to be expressed. Let me give you some expression. Because God would never ask you to love him without loving you first. In fact, let me show you that it was expressed. One of the most famous verses in all the Bible, the expression of God's love. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but everlasting life. God showed you how much he loved you that he would give his own son so that he could have you. Thank you, Jesus. Let me give you number two. Let me give you, it has to be expressed. I love what Romans 5, 6, and 8 says. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came just at the right time and died for us righteous people. That's not what it says, does it? It says he died for who? The sinner. And then it goes on to say in verse 7, now most people... Would, would not be willing to die for an upright person. Though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But verse 8, but God showed us his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still. Oh, so he didn't come to save the righteous, did he? He came to give his life for us who needed him. What an amazing God. We ought to give God praise right now just for his love, his expression, his demonstration. I love this. Somebody gave Heidi and I a book. Again, we've been married 35, celebrated 35. It was awesome. Uh, we went to, uh, Heidi was actually speaking. Uh, have you ever heard of these kind of churches? They're called the Cowboy Church. Yeah. yeah, there's cowboy churches with cowboys in it, like real cowboys. And they just gather together. Well, she got invited, I call it, the cowgirl meeting, to speak to the cowgirls in a big cowgirl conference. And they were all there. They were, I got to go in and see and visit. Hey, hey, cowgirls. Yeehaw, you know. And they were a bunch of cowgirls. You would have loved it, Lindsay. A bunch of cowgirls. And, and they have a rodeo arena outside of their church where they do what cow people do, which I don't know what that is. Lindsay, you're a cowgirl. What are you, you're the barrel. Yeah, she's a barrel racer. Lindsay's a barrel racer. And so it was, she, she did that. And while she was speaking there, I went to do a leadership uh, deal with a bunch of leaders at another church that we're in relationship with in San Antonio. And then we went to the Hill Country for just off the grid, R&R, just eat well, sleep a lot, chase Heidi. Um, yeah, she fast. Anyway, uh, we, we just had a great time. When we first got married, someone gave us a book that has been a game changer. 
And if you haven't read this book, and this, again, this works in every relationship, not just marriage, but they gave us a book called The Five Love Languages. Any of you have ever read that? Yeah, here's the premise of the book. I won't, that's not the teaching today. The teaching of there's five languages that is the way that you, hear, you give love and receive love. And you read the book trying to find out what your mate, what is their love language. Because here's what we do. We end up the way we receive love. We try to give that. But sometimes our mates, that's not their love language. So here you are trying to give love, express it, demonstrate it. And they're going, no big deal. I appreciate it, but that's not my language. So we both read the book, and we both discovered about one another that mine was words of affirmation, to be affirmed by her words. That just for her to say things like, thank you, baby, that was awesome. You're so good at that. Like, after church today, she probably will call, because we always call after church, because we take two separate cars, and, and she'll say, Baby, that was so good today. You did a really great job. And I'm going, thank you, baby. <laughs> you really do love me. <laughs> you know, so she'll do that. Words of affirmation. Well, hers were, was gifts. Like, she likes gifts. <laughs> what she gives me is free, but it costs me. <laughs> so it's gifts. To be fair, it doesn't have to be big gifts. It can be little bitty gifts. It could be me walking into the store and seeing her favorite candy bar, grabbing that, bringing that home. Hey, baby, good. Hey, I brought you this candy bar. She likes, she, back in the day, she likes zeros. Any zero lovers here? Not many. That's why you can't find them anymore right there. But she likes zeros. Charleston Chews. That was her one of hers too. I get Charleston Chews. Big box of Charleston Chews. Can't find them anymore. Anyway, that was hers. And so one day, I don't know, about 10 years ago, nine years, seven, somewhere, she comes up and goes, uh, can, can we talk for a second? I go, yeah. Uh, my love language has changed. I said, what? You can't do that. You can't just change the love languages like, yeah, uh, I don't, I decided I don't like that anymore. I like something else. And I said, well, what is it? And she goes, it's acts of service. I, I feel loved when you do things for me. And I said, I like the other better. <laughs> so what was she saying? To demonstrate love, I want you to do things. I want you, let me, I'll translate. If you love me, take out the trash. If you love me, take care of the dishes after I cook. It's through sweat today after church, after I take a nap from preaching three services, we're going to go map out her garden spot today. Act of service. I will be saying to her, I really, really love you. Acts of service. She changed Everything's changed. She changed. You girls change everything. Y'all always changing. Why are you always changing? Men marry women hoping they'll never change, and all y'all do is change, and women marry men hoping they will change. <laughs> We're like the Lord. We're the same yesterday, today, and forever. Is that true? 
There will be changes in anything. Let's do them. Y'all change. <laughs> you girls are changing everything. Y'all change your hair. You change the color of your hair. You change the length of your hair. Some of you get new hair. <laughs> Y'all change everything. You change your look. You rearrange the furniture. And then you walk up and you surprise us men with questions that it's tough to answer, by the way. You go, Y'all just walk into the room and go, do you notice anything different about me? <laughs> and then we're, then we're like, what, 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 what do, we, what do we say? Let me give you men what to say. This is free, by the way. This is free. This is do, but I'm going I'm to help you answer the question. When your wife says, do you notice anything different about me? Do y'all want to know what the right answer is? This is what you say. You've lost weight. <laughs> That'll get you out of everything, I promise you. So I go, no, I changed my hair. <laughs> Listen, let me take you. Remember, God is love. He is love. Now, he does love. He is. He can't help it. Nature, character. It's his nature. Dog chases cat. Nature. Cat chases mouse. Nature. It is his nature to love. He only operates and motivates out of one thing. Love. You and I can motivate out of every, all kinds of things. We can motiv be motivated out of selfishness and call it love. Not God. He's not a manipulator. He will not try to manipulate you. He, his only motivation is love. I want to take you to what we would call the love chapter in the Bible. You'll hear this in weddings. It's, it's going to, Paul is going to write, he's going to transcribe or describe what love really is. And it's beautiful. I want to take you to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, beginning at verse number 4. Watch what it says. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It's unselfish. It is not irritable, and it keeps no records of being wronged. Have you ever been wronged? Have you ever been wronged in the marriage relationship? Of course you have. It keeps no record of it. Have you ever been wronged outside of the marriage with relationship? Of course you have. It keeps no record of it. Now, by the way, you could just, this is free, by the way, you could put Jesus' name in here. You could put Jesus, yeah, Jesus is patient and kind. Jesus is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. Jesus does not demand his own way. Jesus is not irritable and keeps no records of being wrong. Praise God. But let me tell you what, the, what Paul, I think, is really getting at. He's really not just putting Jesus' name in there, not just love, but could you put your name in there? Could you say, Eugene is patient and kind? Eugene is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. Heidi does not demand her own way. Kevin is not irritable. And Myron keeps no record. That's the goal, is for us to be able to put our name in there. And that would be true of all of us. How many of you know God's still working on all of us? Amen? So let me help you. I want to zero in on the yellow. Keeps no record of being wrong. You know, everybody's keeping records. Y'all know that? Well, uh, at our Savior's Church, you got to keep your receipts. That's a record. 
You got to keep your mileage record. IRS wants your records. Your phone keeps a record. Your computer keeps a record. Your records of checks written. Your school keeps a record. Your bank keeps a record. Your doctors keep the record. The government keeps a record. Even your church keeps a record. And some of you have a record. Y'all get that later right there. Don't. This, this was way too quiet. I think most of the records are in this room. And if you want to win in marriage or a relationship, you're going to have to keep no records. So let me, give you, let, me, let me give you the Bible, what the Bible says in the book of Matthew, chapter 18, beginning at verse number 21. I'm going to read a bit. Just follow along with me because what a beautiful story Jesus is going to give us about record keeping. Then Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? No, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. 70 times seven. Seven times zero. 749, drop the four, the nine, the zero. 490 times. Therefore, the kingdom, Jesus goes into a story. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. He couldn't pay. So his master ordered that he be sold along with his wife and children and everything he owned to pay the debt. But the man fell down before his master and he begged him, please be patient with me and I will pay it all. Then his master was filled with pity for him, and watch this next one, and he released him and forgave his debt. In other words, he wiped the slate clean. You no longer owed it. It's paid in full. But when this man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little more time. Listen to the words. Be patient with me and I will pay it, he pleaded. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. Then the king called the man he had forgiven back in and said, You evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I've had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. Are y'all picking up this story? You know who the king is in the story, right? It's Jesus. Do you know who the man who owed millions of dollars is in the story? It's us. And because we've been forgiven of much, then we have no choice but to go out and those who come against us 
to apply the same forgiveness to them that we have once received ourselves. Are y'all picking up what Jesus is laying down? Love keeps no record of wrongs. I love this. If you've refused to forgive, can I tell you what unforgiveness will do? Unforgiveness. There was one wise man that said, unforgiveness is like you drinking poison and expecting them to die. That's what unforgiveness does. That is what my heavenly, look at verse number 35. That's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. We could stop right there. Victor could come play. We need to all pray and repent. To release, to let him go. Listen, look at me. In your marriage, you're going to have to be professional repenters and professional forgivers if you really want to live 35 years of marriage and can't look and looking forward to the next 35. Can I get an amen for those who've been married longer than me? You're gonna have to you. You're, you are, you're going to have to get rid of keeping records with one another and say, you know what, once it's put, Heidi and I, when we got married, we, I think she initiated this. If not, I'll give her the credit. She said, okay, let's, let's do this. Let's never keep score. I go, what do you mean? Well, let's just don't keep score, like good or bad. Let's just don't keep score. Let's don't keep a scoreboard. Like if you go play golf, that means I get a new pair of shoes. How many of y'all know she's going to get a new pair of shoes whether I play golf or not? <laughs> hey, it's good. I want her to win. I want her to, it doesn't really matter. Let's keep, let's keep no records, is what she was saying, of good or wrongs. And then we, we came up with another rule somewhere along the line. We said, you can never dig up bones. That means if we've had a tiff, and we've had them, Oh, we've had some good ones. I mean some get down after it, like, (laughs) that once you forgive one another, you repent to each other, once that happens, you can never bring it back up again into another argument in the future. You're welcome. So... You can't say things like this. Here we go again. That's digging up bones of the past. That's already been under the blood. It's already been repented of. It's already been buried. You can't bring that back up to manipulate your partner into doing what you want them to do. That's that's good. Right? Pastor you, how do I forgive? How do I forgive? I don't, think, I don't think we're ever more like Jesus than when we're forgiving. How many of you want to be like Jesus? Yeah, so you, you're going to have to be a forgiver. And uh, so I want to help you. Victor's going to help me out because how many of you know it's easier to learn about forgiveness if Victor's playing the keyboard? It just is. It's his first time he's done three services. He's tired. It's taking him a little longer. There, there he is. Hmm.
How do I forgive? First, you got to receive your own forgiveness. Because you can't really give something that you don't have. That means you got to be before God and make sure your heart is pure before him. That everything that you've done has been under the blood of Jesus. That you've asked him, Lord, would you please forgive me for that? I've asked people, how long does it take God to forgive you when you repent? Three days, 30 days, we'll see how you do. No, no, it's, it's instant. So if that's the way I receive it, then how should I give it? When someone asks, I can just forgive. You can't give what you don't have. Look what the scripture says in Ephesians 4 and 32. Instead, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. When you go to God and you ask him, he forgives you. You feel it. You know it. Thank you, Lord, for forgiving me. Thank God for repentance and forgiveness. That God will allow us in private moments in our own heart to be able to go, Lord, I shouldn't have said that. Would you please forgive me? And he does. So that it doesn't have to be, because that's how God works with us. He comes to you privately first. And then if if, if you'll deal with God, it remains private. But if you refuse to repent, then he starts exposing you to the people around you. And if you still refuse to repent, guess what he'll do? He'll let the world know about it because he loves you. He loves you. Forgiven people forgive people. So one, receive your own forgiveness. Let me get number two. If freely you receive, then freely you must give. Heidi and I had somebody years ago that did something to us. You ever been betrayed? Someone close to you. Betrayal doesn't happen from people that are way out there. Betrayal happens from people that are inside your close circle of friends. Heidi and I had one of those situations where it felt like someone stabbed us right in the back. And if you haven't been betrayed, hang on. It's coming. There will always be. Anything Jesus walked through, trust me, we're, we're going to end up walking through. And we got the old knife in the back. And it was a very, very difficult season. And uh, we were discussing it. Because you do. Because it's, it's, always, it's always there. Right? You're dealing with it. You're walking through the process of it. And Heidi goes, well, well what do you think? I said, I'm, I'm just going to forgive him. And she goes, forgive him? You can't just forgive him. And then she asked the question, how did you how are you, how can you forgive so easily? So baby, I've done some stupid stuff in my life. And I've probably done worse in my own life. And I had to go to God to get forgiveness. And he gave it to me. So I'm not going to hold this against him I'm just going to let it go and she's like me too we're just going to let it go 
If not, torture comes. What's the torture Jesus talked about? Put him back in jail and let him be tortured. Tortured is what the enemy does by using resentment. Resentment means to replay it over and over in your mind. So you just keep getting this reel of what happened to you over and over and over and over again. That's torture. But when you forgive, you don't have to go through the torture. You don't have to, because every time the enemy tries to bring it up, you just remind him, I've been forgiven, and I'm freely forgiven. I'm releasing them. By the way, you'd much rather put them in the hands of Jesus and let him deal with them than you deal with them yourself. Let him take care of all of that. You just give them over. I just give them to Jesus. You might pray, sick them, Jesus, but whatever. Give them If you receive grace, now you can give grace. If you receive mercy, now you can give mercy. If you receive forgiveness, now you can give forgiveness. So y'all tracking with me? Receive your own. Now freely you receive, freely you give. And let me give you number three. You got to delete the history. You know, on your computer, you can do that. Delete the history. I'm going to delete it. I'm going to wipe the slate clean. When Jesus forgives us, when we became a believer in Christ and made him the Lord of our life, he took all of our sin, the Bible tells us, and threw it somewhere. Do you remember where it says he threw it? The sea of forgetfulness to be remembered no more. That he took, what did he do? I'm going to delete the history on them. So you can tell stories about your testimony. Let me tell you what I used to do. And you can list it. But Jesus said, no, no, you're now a new creation in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away and all things have become new. I've been born again. I get a brand new start in Jesus' name. Come on, God. What a God. Delete the history. Do you think Jesus really meant 490 times? No, y'all know that he's exaggerating. It's called hyperbole. He's using hyperbole to say, no, no, you just got to keep forgiving. In fact, R.T. Kendall in his book called Total Forgiveness stated that 490 times was not the amount of times that people might sin against you but how many times you would need to forgive somebody for one offense. Why? Because the enemy is going to record it, and then he's going to replay it. And every time he replays it, you're going to have to know, Lord, I forgive them. I forgive them for the same exact thing. Till one day, if you keep forgiving and thanking God for the grace and mercy he's given you, the enemy will quit replaying it in your mind. Because he knows every time he does, it just takes you back to God again. And he doesn't want you going back to God again. That's good. I don't care who you are. Mm. So let's delete the history. Let's thank him for his mercy and grace. Let's release the judgment.
by the Holy Spirit on the drive here today. I just felt the whisper of the Holy Spirit. There are some marriages here that you need to do some business with God tonight. Put the kids to bed and sit across the table or the couch from each other and push delete on the history. You need to say to one another, would you please forgive me? Maybe, maybe, it's, maybe it's the husband who's the offender who's, baby, would you please forgive me? I truly am sorry. And maybe the wife turning and going, I do forgive you. And today I'm going to bury that and I'm going to delete the history. I'm not going to bring that up anymore. I'm not going to keep reminding you of your past because there's only one that really reminds us of our past. And it's not God. It's the devil. God says, I'll take your past and remember it no more. But the devil will keep reminding you of it. And I want you to act more like God than you would the devil and push delete on the history. Listen to me. Let me tell you what I'm not saying, what I am saying and what I'm not saying when it comes to forgiveness. There are people that I have fellowship with. That means we do life. Heidi, Pastor Kevin, we have fellowship together. If there was an offense between Kevin and I, I would go back and repent to him because I wanted to restore the fellowship that I have with him. We're, we're in this together. We can't accomplish everything God wants us to accomplish without each other. We, we want to restore that. So forgive to restore the fellowship. A friend that you may have, a brother, a sister. And sometimes you need to go seek forgiveness and forgive to restore the relationship. Everybody say relationship. What's the difference between fellowship and relationship? I have a relationship with the mayor of our city. We don't fellowship together. We don't go to dinner together. We don't hang out, come see the Super Bowl game together. We don't fellowship. We have a relationship. I would definitely, if I offended him, would go to him, ask for forgiveness. Or if he offended me, go seek, give him forgiveness so that the relationship could be restored. Fellowship, then there's relationship. And then there's those that we need to forgive that we're not seeking to, to, to restore fellowship or relationship. And there's some people in mine and Heidi's life that we've had to forgive, but we don't fellowship with them and we don't have a relationship with them. But we're still going to forgive because we're not going to, because we've received freely, now we're going to give freely. And we're going to delete the history. I know it's a work of the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to pray now, and I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to bring that person to mind. I know sometimes it's painful. It needs to come up. So let's do that right now. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Holy Spirit, you're very specific, and you always put your finger on it directly. Would you bring that person to mind? or persons to mind now. Can you see their face? Father, we thank you that you have forgiven us of everything. And now we're not going to hold this 
one thing or few things against them. So would just right there under your breath, would you say, Lord, I forgive them. Now say it, Lord. I forgive them. I release them. And Holy Spirit, could we just turn off the recorder that the enemy keeps replaying in our mind? The torture in prison that we keep going over and over in our minds again. We release them. We forgive them. In the name of Jesus, just as you have forgiven us. So now we thank you. Could you thank him right now? Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for not giving me what I deserve. Thank you for your grace for giving me what I don't deserve. And so I give you the praise and the glory and the honor that you love me. Could you say that? Say, he loves me. He loves me. Say it again. He loves me. So we thank you today, Father, for the amazing grace that changes everything. I pray over our marriages here today, Lord. I pray that maybe even tonight that some history will be deleted so that they can move forward in you. I pray that some friendships are restored and fellowship is restored between brothers, sisters, folks that go to church together, that you'd restore it. And we thank you for your precious Holy Spirit today. With head still bowed and eyes still closed, Christians, would you pray? Maybe you're here today and you've never received the forgiveness of God. He loves you. He's not mad at you. Jesus said you can't see the kingdom or enter the kingdom until you've been born again. You must be born again. You may have been baptized as a child. You may have been christened. You may have joined a church. Those are all good things. That's not what Jesus was talking about. You must be born again. Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. Jesus came to make dead people live again. And today, you can open up your heart and ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life. That's what it means. It means you surrender and give him the throne of your heart. And you follow him. How do you do it, Pastor You, It's as easy as A, B, C. A, admit you're a sinner. That's where it all begins. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Admit it. B, believe that Jesus came to die on the cross. We celebrated it during communion to pay the penalty for all of our sins. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That he came to pay our own sin price. And then C, confess him as the Lord. That means open up your heart and let him be the boss, the Lord. That you're going to live it God's way. And so today, if you're ready to be born again, I'm going to pray for you. 
I'm just going to simply ask that you would, all across the room, if you're here today and you're ready to be born again, to receive the forgiveness of God, I want you to raise your hand right now. I'm going to pray for you. Hold up high. Don't be ashamed. Just hold up high. Right now, hold up high. He loves you. Hold it up high. There's hands all over the room. I want you to pray this prayer with me. It's not a magic prayer. Make this the cry of your heart. Congregation, can we add your voice to theirs? Let's pray this together. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe that on the cross you took my sin, my shame, my guilt, and you died for it. I believe you face hell for me so I wouldn't have to go. And that you rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven, purpose on earth, and a relationship with the Father. So today, Lord Jesus, I turn from my sin to be born again. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Can we give God all the praise for that? Thank you, Lord. Why don't you stand to your feet this morning? Our prayer team is going to be up front, ready to pray with you. Anything that you need, we'd love to pray with you. If you prayed to receive Christ, you raise your hand. Take one more step. Come and visit with one of our, just say, I raised my hand today. And we'd love to just pray with you and encourage you real quick. Let me pray this blessing over you before you go today. And uh, would you just lift your hands to heaven like this? Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. And cause his face to shine upon you. And you're going out till you're coming in again. May all that you set your hands to, seeking first the kingdom of God, may bless it and prosper it. And I bless you in the name of the Father, his Son, Jesus, and the all-abiding Holy Spirit. And you just say, I receive that. We love you. God bless you. Have a great, great day. We'll see you Sunday.